0: Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published, and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write, So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephanie, and I have a very, very special episode planned for us today. It's not specifically about technology, although I would never, ever have this guest on if it weren't for technology, because he is an internationally renowned author and lawyer, has done everything from extraditing Nazi war criminals to being the Minister of Justice of Argentina. And if it weren't for technology, well, we'd never have met and wouldn't be working together. So please welcome my very, very special guest, Alberto Zuppi. Alberto, so nice to have you.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. Very and nice to be here.
0: I'm thrilled that you're here. And, and we're here, uh, well, partly to talk about this book that I'm so thrilled to have been a part of, about um, AMIA, that I know here in America, a lot of people have no idea what this is. And once they hear, they're horrified, Yeah, absolutely horrified. Well, um, I want to hear about this. But tell us a little bit about you, too.
1: Well, I'm, as, as you said, I'm an Argentinian lawyer. I'm, uh, I was engaged in very, very young. I flew to uh, Germany, and I did my doctor work there. And uh, that prepared me one way with, uh, to work with German papers and, <laughs> and Nazi criminal, perhaps, because after returning to Argentina, I was immediately engaged looking for the expedition of uh, one very well-known Nazi in Argentina, that was uh, Joseph Schwamberger, a guy who was the director of three Polish concentration camps. And when he was uh, detained, uh, he was detained with uh, two sacks of jewels from the Jewish detainees. And uh, well, we extradited him, and uh, because I extradited him, then I was uh, immediately engaged with another Nazi guy who was detained in Argentina, and he was guilty of the massacre in Rome of the Ariatine uh, foes. This is a very well-known uh, uh, massacre. It is even, I, I, I think, that we have a film with Richard Burton and Marcelo Mastroianni. Oh yes, yes, uh,
0: absolutely. Uh,
1: and. Um,
0: You're not in the film, huh?
1: No, no. (laughs) Uh, This guy was an SS uh, captain who was in charge of collecting all the people in in Rome, and he just killed five in addition because they were there.
0: Just because they were there.
1: Because they were there, and 76 because they were Jewish. And uh, then uh, we extradited him, and because I extradited that, uh, Nazi, uh, then I was in contact with the Simon Wiesenthal Center, who introduced me to the people of Amia.
0: Wow. So even before we get to Amia, I'm sitting here with history. Yeah. You, you are actually part way. of the and history.
1: It is funny. It is something like uh, probably my second life, I, I must be one of these victims of the Holocaust because I'm a Catholic, and I'm engaged with uh, this mother since I have memory. Yes. Hmm? Incredible,
0: and and what a service you've done for well, people. I mean, the, the the criminals who have fled the country and went to Argentina, yeah, and they were hiding out.
1: Yeah, well, that was interesting, and it was very interesting also to to work with the original materials in German. You see, and uh, they were very complicated and very interesting stories relating to the extraditions. For instance, just in order to make you an example. Um, in the case of Schwambarga, the counselor of Schwambarga, he said, and he pushed this as, as a defense, um, the country who is requiring the extradition of Schomberger, this is the Federal Republic of Germany, it is not the country to whom he had served. Right. And that was the Third Reich. Oh, right. And that was a huge question in Germany, a huge question. I mean, it is immediately, everybody was a, a little bit altered with that question. Right. And uh, it was very interesting from the, you know, getting engaged in history and right,
0: right.
1: In, in this kind of The things that
0: we read about and learn in, in the history books, no. you were part of all that.
1: Well, that's nice. Uh, that was nice. And after that, well, the Amish story. And after the Amish story arrived, that, well, I, I was for a short time, Secretary of Justice in Argentina, and after that I accepted um, a position as Robert and Pamela Martin, Professor of Law in Louisiana State University, Mm -hmm. and uh, thinking that I was going to have a break, and my family, (laughs) we we went there for six years, and after that we returned to Argentina.
0: Right, right. How do you pack that all in since you're only, what, 35? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <do you> <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, yeah. a lot
0: of living you've gotten oh, yeah, in there yeah. I'm,
1: I'm old I'm, I'm, I'm getting old <laughs> No,
0: no, no And yeah. and, and, there's a, a lot more d- Well, hopefully there's no more Nazi war criminals, are they?
1: Well, probably if they are, they are very old or They're very, very old
0: yeah. or, yeah. or, or dead
1: Probably you yeah. Know. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm reading every day about the Nazis that they are discovered Still? For instance Oh you know, yes, I, I read that one of the most famous uh, Nazis that was the director of the Gestapo. Uh, He died in in Brazil, Mm -hmm. and nobody knew about him. I read that one person who was engaged in the other book, the book of Nuremberg, um, uh, he died also in Brazil. And they discovered that he had a fortune of uh, uh, gold uh, nuggets and and gold tooth from, oh, from, really? from the <gasps> concentration. Camp. Oh, that's horrible. Horrible. Um,
0: horrible. Horrible. It's a
1: story of never end. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah.
0: Now, when, when when I first met you, when you approached me about publishing AMIA, I have to admit I knew nothing mm-hmm. about what happened in 1994. Yeah. King, and, and it turns out it was the worst terrorist act in Argentina in history. Yeah. And I had never even heard about it. Can you fill us in a little bit? And I, I have some pictures of the rubble here, but I know that most of us have no idea.
1: Yeah, no, it's logical even thinking that there are so many bomb attacks around the world, but Argentina was is a peaceful country. I right. mean, we didn't have any connection with uh, terrorist attacks and things like that. Uh, in 1992, uh, after the the, the there's a storm war. Argentina was part of it, Okay. and then probably because that, Argentina began to engage international matters. Right. Then, in 1992, it blew the Israeli embassy in Buenos Aires uh-huh. and uh, killing 27 people and making a, a disaster there. But I mean, still today. people discussed whether it was a terrorist attack or there was an implosion that the the explosives were into the embassy before. And in 1994, we received the second attack. The second attack was a heavy one that was against one of the most important Jewish centers, philanthropic centers in Buenos Aires, the AMIA, and killed 86. People 85 people and 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 hundreds right. and produce a damage for millions of dollars. Right. And uh, in that time, I well, I was not engaged directly with Amia, but in, I received a first offer in 1985 to represent the families uh, of the victims mm-hmm. um, in the case because they were not so happy how things were going there. Right. And in Argentina, we had in that time the possibility of making something like a private prosecutor. Okay. I mean, we were working as prosecutors in spite of that we were just representing private families. We were not official prosecutors, but we have the same rights. And mm-hmm. uh, that was interesting. And uh, then, well, after a while, I, re- I began representing them in 1987. Okay. And then when I began representing them and reading the case, I realized immediately that was something wrong was there, right. and uh, when I'm saying something wrong means that it was a clear intention of not investigating nothing. Then they
0: weren't even trying to find out. Not what even
1: try. I mean, it was a disaster from the very beginning. It was a mess. It was like reading a roller coaster, you know, and, mm. and then you over dis- and
0: over, you know. just a circle.
1: But the point is that when we were requesting the judge to make some measures then the judge if the measure was something that's not going to complicate him then probably he will follow the measure but if it's a, a, a critical topic mm-hmm. then he would say uh, let this let be considered." that mean we are going to think about this right and he never decides <laughs> the point is that was very clear from the very beginning that there were very strong uh, path following to uh, Syrian, Lebanese, uh, I would say, international connection, uh, and, and a very small and dubious path for an Iranian connection. Okay. But then you, what we began to saw to see is that some kind of official story was built, and the official stories say something that some corrupt police of the province of Buenos Aires, sold this to the terrorists, a van to the terrorists that they used the van for the explosive, and this van was connected with Iranian diplomats that were in the country. And this is far away from the truth. Mm-hmm. Then we began to discover things, and because in spite of everything, in, in spite of that there was a, a, a real concealment there, uh, some evidence was were so clear there that uh, even the people that they were trying to, to hide the evidence, they were not right. uh, able to cover up everything. Then we built up a case. The, we, we, we declared that the investigation was an absolute disaster, mm-hmm. that the judge was putting people in jail knowing that they have nothing to do with the army attack. And we went to the Inter-American Commission of Human Rights. And uh, we claim, we began a claim against Argentina, saying that Argentina concealed the truth and was uh, engaged in a cover-up. Wow. Uh, at the beginning, I must tell you that we never thought that we were going to win nothing. Right. But we were looking for making some noise, international noise, <laughs> in order to produce a movement. You right, know? right. Because we... If you are saying, for instance, just looking for witnesses, mm-hmm. and then we were looking for witnesses and the judge was looking for witnesses. Right, the, right. The, when the judge looked for a witness and he didn't found it, then he make a kind of uh, order, a request order to the police okay. in case that this person is found, then he must be arrested. Right. But we found the same people just looking into the telephone directory. <laughs> I mean, That's, you know, normal common sense. I mean, the most elementary common sense. Right. And, uh, well, then we, as I tell you, uh, we never thought that we were going to win until we received the answer of our claim from the Argentine government. And the answer was so bad, Mm -hmm. so terrible, that for the first time we (laughs) really thought that we were going to win something. (sighs) And let me make the long story short. In 2005, the Argentine government recognized that our claim was correct. Wow. And they were guilty for concealment.
0: The Argentine the government. The Argentine government. government guilty of concealment. Of
1: recognized this oh. in front of the inter american Commission. Right. The interesting thing is that they recognized the concealment, the cover-up. Right. But they, ne- they never explained why. Right. Whom they were covering up.
0: Exactly. So they admitted that they covered it up, yeah. but they didn't tell who was behind it.
1: And this is the story of this book.
0: And this is the story of this book.
1: And the story of this book is not only all the fights that we had had just in order to bring right. this into the Inter American Commission of Human Rights, but also is a story about discovering the truth. The cover up. The, the cover, cover up. The cover up.
0: Now there is a big uh, symposium coming up about the cover-up. Well, there is it, a
1: big symposium coming up uh, concerning the Amia. Yes, uh, but the the real thing is that when I was invited because the first edition of this book, right, I was invited to be part of this symposium, and I received the invitation from a professor that I know very well um, from several years, and now he's professor in Southwestern University in, in Los Angeles. And he asked me, Alberto, I would like to invite you to take part in the symposium, but the only thing is you need to write a juridical paper about it. Okay. This. And then I thought, listen, I, I, I don't think that I'm going to be there, because I tried already during the time that there was a professor in Louisiana. Right. I tried once to write a juridical paper okay. on AMIA, and then I realized that everything was political and no. then it was not juridical. But then... I I answered my friend saying, let let me try, and then I will phone you back. Okay. And I began writing. And after a day, I have (laughs) written five pages, and I realized that I have enough material for something new.
0: Absolutely.
1: And the real thing is that we began to make some connections that they were not possible to do before. Right. Uh, We discovered cables, sacred cables (sighs) in WikiLeaks. We discovered, for instance, a cable after the, the bomb informing the foreign minister of Argentina that an Israeli former ambassador is going to fly into, uh, to Buenos Aires in order to meet President mm-hmm. Menem, that was the president of Argentina at that time, in order to coordinate the official version right. that it was going to be offered to the world because this bomb attack may compromise the Rubin effort for peace in Middle East. Uh And then we began making some connections and we realized that in Israel, it was a heavy engagement with a peace movement. And the government of Israel had, in 1993, obtained with the OLP Mm -hmm. agreement, the Oslo agreement that will represent for Paris and um, Arafat the Nobel Peace Prize in 1994. Then they were engaged with Jordania in June 1994. And in uh, uh, 1994, in July, exactly when the bomb happened, they were in the middle of conversation with the uh, the only neighbor that they haven't reached an agreement, and it was Syria. And Syria was, in that time, politically and militarily controlling Lebanon. That mm. means that Syria was the most important one. Right. And then the government of Israel was prepared to make some concession in the mm. Golan Heights in order to obtain the peace right. agreement. And AMIA happened in the middle of that. And then we, we think that perhaps the a terrorist group tried to bomb this agreement, this right. peace agreement, right. or not, but in any case the there was a participation of a terrorist group, right. Al-Fatah or Hamas, and Hezbollah, and uh, but very clearly against this peace agreement. Oh my gosh. And uh, that was the, the concealment. I mean, the concealment was that in that very moment they decide, Argentina and Israel, to Uh, cover up this and to obtain an official story. And that official story was that uh, they should blame Iran for Mm. this.
0: But Iran had nothing to do with it.
1: Well, I mean, Iran was always engaged in terrorist activities. Uh, They're they're not going to be They're not completely
0: innocent, (laughs) no. (laughs) (laughs) But they were not
1: exactly engaged with this. Gotcha. And uh, the problem was that um, it was very clear two positions. A position of, uh, in favor of an official story and a position against the official story. Okay. This position against of the official story was the position that I represent with my clients of Memoria Activa. They yes. were, you know, it's a N- the N- OG, the victims, right. they were reunited in all the families and, mm-hmm. and friends of the victims. But the the major problem was that the two major insti- Jewish institutions in Argentina, and especially one who suffered the damage that is the Amia, right. and the other one called Daya, mm-hmm. that they are both the major ones. They okay. were supporting the official story. Why? And th- that was my question. I mean, <laughs> it, it is impossible. I mean, it is not a question that somebody is going to discuss. Us we can, we may discuss about soccer. And we may discuss about a right, football right. match and what? saying, well, you prefer, uh, I don't know, Eagles, I prefer Patriots, I don't, I don't know. Right. But in any case, you can discuss about the evidence. The evidence is, right. you know, evidence facts. Evidence is evidence, yes. And they are clear there. Then how you can explain that they were supporting the official story?
0: Mm-hmm. In spite
1: of that, we may show that that was something unsustainable. And the only explanation is that they receive instructions, and uh, they follow the instructions. Wow. But imagine, for, for instance, if you're just looking into the army and, and just in order to introduce to the people what we may discover, because we never mention where are the differences. Right. Um, there was one person called Tel who was the owner of the band, theoretically used... Right. for the for the attack this person is uh, after a lot of negotiations is tape with the Argentine secret services mm-hmm. and uh, the first conversation between him and the services that occupy 66 tapes wow. uh, well were related to several things when you will never No, because the 66 tapes disappear at the same time in the Secret Services Mm -hmm. and in the federal police. At the same time. At the same time. Then, for instance, we discovered that a helicopter was flying over the AMIA building Mm -hmm. the night before the bombing.
0: So they were looking for something.
1: 20 minutes with a torch, with a light torch.
0: Oh, they were definitely looking for something. What were they doing?
1: I mean, th- then th- arrive another question. That means that somebody knew that the Amia building was going to be the target, right? Right. And they haven't done nothing and in they order didn't do to, to, to avoid. warn
0: anybody or anything.
1: See, then uh, several things. I mean, Amia was full of these kind of things. We don't know. For instance, we know that Teldin this guy, they mix a motor of one van with a body with the chassis right, of another right. one. He duplicates. Gotcha. Okay? He was a, a crook. <laughs> and uh, the real thing is that we never, until today, we don't know who was the owner of the chassis of the van uses in the AMIA because the judge uh, collects all the debris and put everything in an open field three and miles oh. from the AMIA. And after two years, at the open air... Were with human ruined. rest, right, with the ruined. rest of the band, rest of the library of AMIA, right. rest of everything, they threw it to the river. And
0: Such a cover-up.
1: You see, I mean, yep. e- everything was impossible. Then, for instance, I discovered a guy reading the case, Ali Chehadeh Hadel hassan a very strange thing. I mean... A federal judge was making a scissor in one place just because an electric connection. That's funny, because usually I can imagine a federal judge making a scissor because an electric connection. Right, right. But in any case, well, they discovered this guy in this place. Uh, He didn't speak uh, Spanish. Uh, He was in a place covered with uh, carpets. And he was presumably... Lebanese. He had a, a fake uh, credential as a military attaché of the Syrian embassy in Argentina. Mm-hmm. He had propaganda leaflets from Hezbollah, Al Fatah, and a lot of propaganda from right. terrorist group. But the most important thing, he had two blocks of TNT <gasps> packed in <laughs> the original pack of the American army. Right. Then I asked the judge, please ask him. Right. And he never asked him nothing. I mean, after a couple of months, he left him free. And we don't know what's what's going on. But this is the idea that, I mean, everything related with Syria and Lebanon was covered up. Right. And everything related with Iran was followed. Right. Hmm?
0: Unbelievable. Well, we have just a couple of more minutes. I want to make sure our viewers know where to find this book and to find out more because you've given us just this much a very
1: very thin thing and
0: and there's just so much there Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's truly frightening a couple of things one to know that these horrible terrorist acts are going on but then there are layers upon layers exactly things are not what we think they are
1: no exactly
0: you know it's it's bad enough that there is such horror and atrocity in the world but it's not even what it looks like it is. Exactly. There's so much more going on. Look,
1: for instance, what happened with Niesman. Probably have you heard about yes. this name. He was a special prosecutor uh, appointed for AMIA mm-hmm. case. And, uh, well, I, I must I must recognize something in, in advance. I have a, a, a partner during the time that I was right. representing the people from Memoria Activa. And my partner was a very nice and beloved person, he passed away a couple of years ago, Pablo Jacobi, he was Jewish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recall that before going to America and uh, for my position as, as professor, right? Um, I asked Pablo, you must promise me that you are going to prosecute Nisman exactly as in the same way as we are prosecuting the prosecutors for the covering up. Right. And he accepted that, but he didn't are there. And I mean b- just because probably because he was Jewish and Nisman was Jewish and he wished to offer him another opportunity. Right. Then when I returned he recognized that he had been wrong, but in any case the you know the right, damage right. was done. Nisman is a perfect example. And now now today today is the anniversary okay. of Nisman's death. Three years ago he was found Killed in his apartment. Right. Um, The the night before, he announced in television, and everybody was saying this, uh, seeing the program that he was going to make a presentation, uh, requesting the impeachment of President Christina Kirchner because concealment of the Amia case with Iran. Right. And. uh, it was a, a very interesting moment because uh, I, I had the chance, for instance, for reading right. the, the request, the Nisman request, and was, you know, something very doomed, very thin, very hearsay, witnesses, right, and things, right. and it was not with And then the next substance. day he was... And the next day he was killed.
0: Layers and layers, layers. Yeah. upon this. Yeah. There's there's so much going on that we can't even know. Well, if you would like to learn more, um, Mr. Zuby's book is available on Amazon. It's also available at RedPenguinBooks.com. Uh, certainly, this is something that we should know more about. Things happen, and things happen, and we don't have the benefit of the prosecutor. Hmm. Who can see all of the layers, uh, we owe it to ourselves to be more informed about what's going on in this world mm. and not to take things at face value.
1: Mm. So then, I hear that they are doing with Netflix Syria.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so you can buy the book, watch no. it on Netflix. <laughs> but the book is the truth. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!